This is a Media Lab podcast. Oh, this is that's so nice of you, Dave. You you've brought me an entire pitcher of lemonade. In the business, we like to call them urns. It's, oh, it's an why? urn. I don't know. I, I probably just do too many crosswords. Can you just uh, pour me pour me a glass of that? Sure, sure. Would you like it uh, warm? Oh God, no. Here, let me just hold this glass. Oh my God. You just dropped the whole thing on the machine. I, Good. Dave. Yes. Oh my God, I think you killed the machine. In his own garage, Kyle has built a machine cobbled together with parts found in his friend's church basement and a dumpster behind the local Dairy Queen. This monstrosity is now alive and evil. Kyle has convinced his friend Dave to help stop the apocalypse by reviewing films the machine picks. The ultimate purpose is still unknown, and Kyle could have probably done this himself, but he's not being dragged to hell alone. This, this is, is Kyle and Dave, Dave versus, versus the, machine. the Machine. Oh wait, no, no you, you didn't. It's Shh. seemingly coming back to life. What, what, what just happened? Ah, oh, shit. I was I, I saw the light there for a moment. I thought we would escape our prison. And unfortunately, I guess we still have to review movies. Um, welcome to Kyle and Dave versus the Machine. My name is Kyle. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm Dave. And I'm the Mama Machine. Uh, a podcast where a sentient machine forces us to watch movies in order to prevent it from initiating the apocalypse. Although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. Today, we're going to be watching South Park Bigger. Longer and uncut. Once upon a time, a man drew a little mouse. And his animated vision enchanted children of all ages. This summer, that man will be spinning in his grave. Oh, oh, my God, why? Paramount Pictures and Warner Brothers present... South Park. This is going to be the best movie ever. Invading. Eric, did you just say the F word? Did he say the S word? Yo, man, did you just say the Q word? (laughs) We have to get you children off of foul language. Your theater. Dave. Yes, Kyle. Where I think we need to start is first your relationship with South Park, the TV show, and then this movie generally. I have none and none. Yeah. Or that's, maybe... That's, I'm sorry, that's fascinating to me. You seem to be, or would have been kind of around the right age for like oh, being yeah. totally into South Park, the TV show. Uh, I don't know if... Yeah. Because it debuted to, in 97. What, when, what age uh, would you have been in 97? I was already 19, so... Uh, okay, yeah. Maybe just a bit older. Yeah. yeah I think growing up, you know, we not to be too bitter, but you know, I grew up in a household where TV was not casually allowed. But you know, Simpsons was the big cultural phenomenon. I, I, I guess it technically still is, even though I, I still can't comprehend that it it still airs. But you know, that was uh, South peak. Park still airs too. Really? Oh wow! Well, yeah, I still making new episodes. That's, that's disappointing. So I um no, I, you know, it was uh, it was part of the cultural milieu, and so as they say in. Uh, yeah, in Quebec. Yeah. In Quebec. Yeah, so uh, everything's quotable. Never piqued your interest, never wanted to engage with it. Well, I guess where I'm going with this is, you know, going through that and then the upstart South Park comes up on, was it on MTV originally? Something Comedy I didn't, Central. 
comes to, so something I didn't have access to on regular cable. Yeah. Um, and so kind of like when Family Guy comes out, I, I mean, I got into Family Guy as an older person just because it, it was so awful, right? Like <laughs> cruel. But, right. um, you know, so like you come to school and I'm a, a, a tween, a teenager, and everybody's quoting whatever happened on Sunday. And then all of a sudden, uh, this upstart TV show starts on a channel I don't have access to. And, and very few people will come in and say that there's this better thing going on. It's like super crazy, you know, like it's showing the, the signs change. And I was like, fuck, I'm not interested in it at all. Uh, and yeah, then it was, once it in was a while, R-rated Simpsons is how it was pitched to me, I think, originally. And whenever it came across me, I don't know how, um, I, yeah, I found it obnoxious. The, the mm. energy and the speed uh, and the crass, crassness? Crassicity? Yeah. Crassness? The crassicity. I like that the word crassicity. better. Uh, uh, which, you know, like I said, surprising because I, I don't think of myself as a very sensitive person in that regard. I, I like to say fuck a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I say fuck a you're lot. You're all about that. You're like, you're the reason why this uh, podcast has to have a check mark beside contains explicit material. Yeah, it's fun. I I, uh, I like to think that I have a reasonable vocabulary, but uh, fuck is such a great word. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, just getting back to the point. Yeah, I just never, I never liked it. So okay. I never got into it. So you were talking, of course, uh, you made fun of me in the past for having this extensive Simpsons knowledge. If I have not mentioned on the podcast, I used to write reviews for The Simpsons online uh, during my university career. So I was still watching it even at that time. It was probably, and I still would consider it one of my favorite shows of all time. Okay, so that's where I'm starting with. And this is going to get so dumb because I'm an adult man who has huge opinions on mm. Western animated TV shows. Ad so, adults a strong word. Adults well, a yeah, strong word. Well, yeah, maybe strong Love the Simpsons. 1997 would have been, I think, season eight for The Simpsons. Uh, so it's still riding high, still producing, like I think, really great episodes. And this upstart comes out. Now, I still only had my three channels living out in the country. South Park aired, I think, somewhere like around midnight or one in the morning on one of those channels. And my parents would record it for us on VHS so what? that we could watch it the next day. My parents were very open about watching this stuff with us and then like talking to us about it, about like, you know, what's going on. Does your dad look like Eugene Levy? That's kind of funny. Not at all. Like, oh. not at all. <laughs> uh, I will say this. Like, I think that what I gravitated towards the first few seasons of South Park is what you kind of said that you didn't like about it. it. It was crass. It was in your face. It was very different than The Simpsons, both in animated style and like the the content that was in it. So, I mean, there was so there was a bit of that. I was 14 when it debuted. So I was like, was the right age for it to be kind of uh, succumb to its charms uh, such as it was. But I can't say that I was like in love with the show. Now, I, embarrassing or not, I think I'm pretty sure I've seen every single episode of South Park up to including like season 20, whatever it is in currently. I am of the opinion that the first three seasons, which would have aired right before this movie came out, I think this movie aired between season three and four, are actually the not the best version of the show. I think it actually got better as it went along and kind of went away a lot from just provocation and more into like, hey, we actually have a point that we're trying to make with this episode. And I do think it actually succeeds in many ways. There's some great episodes of South Park that I think are really great social satire. The last thing I'll say, because I don't want to make this to be like 20 minutes of me talking about South Park. 
too late is <laughs> too late is that it has done some really fascinating things over the years where into its like teen seasons it would start to flirt with doing these multi-episode stories where it was not just like uh, the Simpsons, right? An episode happens and everything kind of resets and then the next episode happens and you never really refer back to the previous episode, except very rarely. This was like sometimes three, four episodes long, um, up to including this one called Imagination Land, which some people refer to as like the unofficial second movie that South Park made because it was very involved and was talking about a lot of stuff that was going on in the U.S. and on television at the time. And then it started doing something really remarkable for an animated show, in America at least, which was they started having continuity, where things that happened in one episode actually carried over into the next episode for an entire season. So the entire season was like, we're doing a very specific point. And that went into multiple seasons of it being like, no, like everything that has happened has now happened. And they kept building and building and building on it. So I find that they've always tried to reinvent themselves a little bit, which is interesting. Uh, unfortunately, the election of Donald Trump uh, really hurt South Park because in that season, they were very much building towards a thematic point of people only referring to nostalgia and because they thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. And then when Trump won, they had to do this really weird ending to that season that doesn't really feel um, great. And they've tr tried to roll with that as best they can through the successive years. So it's, I mean, it's interesting. I think it's best years were a few years ago where they were really on fire for, I think, a good six or seven years in their later seasons because they were trying for things. But that's all to say that I was a fan and I do like this movie because I watched it. Uh, my mom didn't like the song, Kyle's Mom's a Bitch. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> very, very upset by that song. Uh, but I still, I remember having very fond feelings about this movie. What a long justification of your intended position on this movie, Kyle. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, let me just point out the most important fact is that you openly admit that when, when at the time that this movie came out, uh, you did not like South Park, but no, only I, after I, I, gaining I, I, respect for it over the next couple that, years, you'll that, look a back. That's a bastardization <laughs> of what I meant. I wasn't saying I didn't like it. It just was mm. not on the level of what I thought The Simpsons was producing. So I was like, oh, this is the lesser than. And then in the later years, I think it, it kind of eclipsed them to actually be uh, pushing towards something a little bit different. Now, I think we should have a conversation at some point, maybe later when we're talking about when the machine gives us these uh, printouts about the people who made the movie. There is definitely criticisms you can level at Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators behind South Park, because uh, they very often will make fun of both the extreme left and the extreme right. So both sides get really angry with them. <laughs> so I think that's an important conversation to have too. I mean, that's, they're the embodiment of American culture. And in what way? What their provocation for the sake of provocation, they are judgmental with this privileged idea that they know better than anybody else. And they don't give a fuck who care like who who says anything. I don't um, know about that. Well, what do you talk about any any satirist then? Like Mark Twain was doing the same thing back in the early 1900s. Yeah, was he in, just poking fun for poking fun, or was he actually trying to make a, a deeper point? He has deeper points. I mean, there are so many moral lessons that come out of even his most uh, silliest works. He also could write, mm -hmm. you know, legibly, and in a way that <laughs> could be re re uh, read by like sane human beings. And didn't come at you at that MTV pace of a fucking like shit joke every, you know, 20 milliseconds. Mm -hmm. uh, I find South Park exhausting. But, it, you know, this is also an era where uh, I stopped other than, you know, 
anime and uh, more developed, higher level writing approaches to, let's say, cart. It's offensive to manga and anime fans to call them cartoons, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think the only ones that uh, might stand the test of time, might, you know, the classics like Batman is the you know animated series. Those are cool. This kind of shock comedy. I, I was not a huge fan of Howard Stern in that era. I, I thought right. he was obnoxious. It was only after, like you said, he starts to slow down and mature a little bit. I mean, he's still like a shock jock in a way, but he be, he made himself more cult, uh, politically relevant, even though his cultural impact, you know, was way before when he was just same thing, telling everyone to go fuck themselves because he's the yeah. smartest guy in the room. Anyways. Uh, this is the longest. We'll have to cut all of this out. This is the whole podcast. <laughs> this is 20 podcast. minutes. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Let's go watch the movie. I'll read some ad copy. And then in return, we'll be talking about South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Hi there, everyone. Kyle here once again to talk to you a little bit about some of our great sponsors who help make this show possible. There is going to be a little bit more fighting between mommy and daddy throughout this episode. But don't worry. We make up by the end. Maybe. Well, you'll, you'll see. You'll see. We need to start off with what we always start off with. Kyle and Dave vs. The Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. The Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta-made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta-based businesses and organizations. This episode of Kyle and Dave vs. The Machine is brought to you by Storylines, a podcast from women in film and television Alberta. Storylines highlights some of our province's most successful women in film and television, both behind the camera and in front of it. Host Sheena Rossiter is herself a filmmaker, and she has had some deep and instructive conversations with trailblazers and experts in the field. A recent episode that you might find interesting is her conversation with Tasha Hubbard. It's entitled Telling Indigenous Stories. In it, we hear from award-winning Cree filmmaker Tasha Hubbard. She speaks with Storylines host Sheena Roster and how she got into documentary film, the importance of telling Indigenous stories, and the success of her most recent film, We Will Stand Up. You can find Storylines on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can find it at wifta.ca. That's W-I-F-T-A dot C-A. This episode of Kyle and Dave vs. the Machine is also brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network. So let's go take a listen to one of the other great shows. The podcast you're listening to is proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. And so is mine. My name is Vanda and I'm the host of Tight Ends Podcast. I don't know much about football, but I know a tight end when I see one. If you're looking for a sports podcast without all the stats and numbers and even facts and figures, join Tight Ends Podcast, the sports podcast for the rest of us. Every week we find out what's up with Gronk, and we always have a great tweet of the week so you can follow along. Go to albertapodcastnetwork.com to find more great podcasts like Tight Ends Podcast. And remember, clear eyes, tight ends can't lose. All right, Dave. Uh, we're gonna have a fight because I still really liked it. So cool. we'll 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 go from here and see what happens. What a what a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> just straight garbage. Yeah. All right. So where do you want to start? I, well, uh, we're gonna start by pushing this button and seeing uh, some background information here. So South Park 
Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, was released June 30th, 1999. The other film released that day was Wild Wild West, written by S.S. Wilson, Brent Maddock, Jeffrey Price, and Peter S. Seaman, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, starring Will Smith, Smith, Kevin Kline, Kenneth Branagh, and Selma Hayek. What a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie, yeah. It's pretty awful. A giant spider in the end, the robot? Yes, it was. And if you've ever heard the Kevin Smith story of why there's a giant spider in that movie, it is wild. Hmm. I'll leave it there because you can go and watch the YouTube clip. It's ridiculous. It is currently rated 7.7 on IMDb. It has a 73 on Metacritic. On Rotten Tomatoes, based on 95 critics' reviews, it holds an 80%. And on 415,000 reviews of the uh, users, it has an 88%. So this is a certified fresh film, according to Rotten Tomatoes. Morons. It is available on DVD or Blu-ray. You can rent or buy it on iTunes or on Google Play Movies. And it is also, in Canada, available to stream on Netflix. What what, what savvy comment do you want to give on that? (laughs) Yeah, Moritz. They're all a bunch of Moritz. They're all Moritz. See, now who's the person who thinks that they're right about everything? Right there. (laughs) I don't have to, you know, be right when I'm just right. I'm just right. (laughs) Sure, you're just right. Yeah, I'm just right about this. (laughs) Its budget was $21 million dollars. It opened to $11 million. Domestically, it would pick up 52. Internationally, it would make another 31. So its grand total was $83 million, which is $127 million based on inflation. So definitely a hit. As far as monetarily, it was a hit. Its plot description from, from IMDb is, when Stan Marsh and his friends go see an R-rated movie, they start cursing and their parents think that Canada is to blame. It stars Trey Parker as Stan Marsh, Eric Cartman, and Satan. It also has Matt Stone as Kyle Bruflovsky, Kenny McCormick, and Saddam Hussein. And Mary Kay Bergman as Leanne Cartman, Sheila Bruflovsky, and Wendy Testaberger. Let's talk about Mary Kay Bergman first. She was born June 5th, 1961. Her first film role was in the TV movie Return Engagement from 1978, but she would soon go into voice acting. She had an extensive career before 1999, providing voices in such things as Alvin and the Chipmunks, Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid TV show, and some Sierra video games such as Leisure Suit Larry and King's Quest VIII. In 1999, she would also have bit parts in other animated films such as The Iron Giant and any scene where Jesse yodeled in Toy Story 2. South Park debuted in 1997 on television, and that's where she had some of her biggest success, at least with the teenagers at the time. For the first three seasons, as well as a South Park movie, she would voice most of the female parts on the show. Within the industry, she was known for her technique of voice matching, sometimes doing dubs of famous actresses who might not be able to come in and re-record their lines. So some of those actresses include Julia Roberts, Helen Hunt, and Gillian Anderson. However, something she kept hidden from many was that she suffered from generalized anxiety disorder. She confessed to her husband that she was afraid she was losing her talent and that recent recording sessions hadn't been going well. On the morning of November 11th, 1999, after contributing to a radio program celebrating Disneyland's 45th anniversary, she would take a revolver and kill herself. On South Park, specifically, Trey Parker and Matt Stone said, She could do so many different voices, and we had her just do all of them because she could. It's going to take four to five people to replace her talent. So, that was Mary Kay Bergman. For me, I remember this being pretty big news for me 
uh, back then because I knew her from her voice acting in South Park specifically. And this is pretty big because I think uh, this would have been after this movie debuted, but I think it was right before Toy Story 2 came out that this happened. So it was kind of big news for a little bit, for a couple days at least. Nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. It's tragedy though. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not great. Psychological uh, disorders. No joking matter. Dave, I'm going to send over what the machine wants to have you read off. Sure. Trey Parker and Matt Stone. It's written by Trey Parker and Matt Stone and Pam Brady, and it's directed by Trey Parker. It's interesting that uh, he has a solo directing credit. Matt Stone yeah, like, slept I thought in it was that like day. The, I thought for a bit it was kind of like the Cohen brothers, where I think it was Joel Cohen who only got sold, even though it was both of them. But no, it actually is Trey Parker who did all of this. You know, I mean, Helen brought up this thing too. Like, what does it mean to be a director of an animated film? That's something that one could delve into. It's interesting, the difference between that and live we action. We could, because, yeah, there's different areas that people need to be directed. There's the voice director, and there's also the actual animation director. So, right. what, yeah, how do you <laughs> give, uh, yeah, do that? Yeah. Anyways, Matt and Trey are kind of a package deal. Matt Stone was born May 26, 1971. Trey Parker was born October 19, 1969. The popular legend is that they met in university when they both took a film class which required a group project. They found everyone else to be super pretentious and just wanted to make stuff that was funny. Can I air quote that? They would go on to make a student film called Cannibal the Musical an Oklahoma-inspired musical with 10 original songs about the real life of cannibal Alfred Packer. That film was eventually bought by the company Troma, which specializes in schlock films, and has become a bit of a cult classic. I have seen that movie, by the way. And? It's okay, yeah. I mean, the songs are pretty fun. (laughs) That was a perfect I mean, it's a student film. Like, it was meant for a student film. Like, it was not a big budget. It might have been made for $20,000, maybe. Like, it's pretty low budget. It's great. It's great as a fanboy too. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I accept it's fine. it. It's probably terrible because, you know, this movie's terrible. What truly made them famous though was South Park. The weird story behind that is they were commissioned by Brian Graydon, an executive at Fox, to produce an animated holiday card he would send to his friends and clients. They called that the Spirit of Christmas, which basically just featured Santa having a battle with Jesus. People loved it. They pitched a longer series to Fox, but eventually found a home at Comedy Central where the show still airs to this day. It is contracted to keep making new episodes until 2022. They've made other films, most notably Team America. Fuck yeah. And Trey Parker also provided a voice in Despicable Me 3. Oh, no, not, he, to, uh, not to break in guy? too much here. Yeah, he's yeah. a bad guy in Despicable yeah, Me that's 3. That's a great uh, But uh, to break in, I know for a fact that you are a bit of a fan of Team America. So what is different in Team America than South Park? I, I don't know. I haven't watched it recently, but I remember I was not willing to watch Team America. And it might have either been when I was working at Jumbo Video, like two, or it might have just been, I don't know, like a drunken night doing something. But the, the marionettes come out and I'm, I'm sitting there like, what is going on? And uh, by the time the puking scene happened, I thought it was uh, <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen. But um, I couldn't tell you, I haven't watched, you know, that's probably okay. 20 years ago. So if I watched it today, I, I, I can't guarantee you that I would also uh, agree that that movie is still watchable. Now, while much of the music is written by Trey Parker in his movies and TV shows, him and Matt Stone collaborated with composer Robert Lopez on the stage musical The Book of Mormon. 
That was a monster hit and would eventually win them a Tony Award for Best Musical. In fact, if they ever do win an Oscar, they'd be EGOT winners. It's like a fanboy wrote this. It's crazy. Uh, up next, <laughs> I'm just giving you information. This is a relevant information. I I I I thought I wrote this. Up next for the, up next for them is the film version of the Book of Mormon. For Pam Brady, she was a consultant on South Park in the early years before helping to write this film. She would stay in television for a while, working on such series as Just Just Shoot Me and The Loop. She would help to write the next Trey Parker and Matt Stone film, Team America, and would also write comedies Hamlet 2 and Hot Rod. Uh, both of those movies are... Well, Hot Rod's one of the greatest great. movies of all time. Yeah, should be in the AFI 100 list. <laughs> <laughs> now who's the fanboy? <laughs> oh, Andy Samber. He's, uh, he's my hall pass. Here, her last credit was the Netflix TV show Lady Dynamite, which starred Maria Banford. Currently, she has no upcoming projects. I really was, liked Lady Dynamite, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, it's insane. It's dark. It gets super dark, but I really like it. I the only thing that scares me about that show, at the show is great, is subsequently seeing kind of like YouTube clips of Maria Banford and how she actually seems like she's deteriorating. Oh, <laughs> she, does, bad, she literally did go to a mental institution. Like, yeah, that is I mean, true. she talks. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the yeah. narrative of the show, and uh, you would think I thought that the show was something about catharsis but christ she she looks not not really okay dave hit me why do you hate this movie so much this movie to me is 90 minutes of pandering inside jokes to a fan base as an outsider Mm. who doesn't understand any of the characters i don't have any grounding in why anybody's being such an asshole and i get the intent of so for example like the hypocrisy of saying that a movie is what's ruining children etc but I mean, it plays out in such a stupid, like I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with it. You know, the structure of how they pace their jokes, you know, what it looks like visually. I mean, the cardboard cutout animation, that's, that's a nuanced thing. I, I hated it. I, I can't understand why people buy into this. Sh- I mean, if it's a 22 minute cartoon on, you know, with commercials, it's one thing, but for 90 minutes straight, uh, it was it was hard to comprehend. This is uh, pretty early on in their career. It sounds so hypocritical to say that it felt too immature for me because mm. uh, Lord knows I'm an immature person, particularly my sense of humor. But it it felt like um, I mean maybe this is the intent. Like like um, do you read have, you know do you read Captain Underpants or Dogman or you know all of these? The- I, I'm familiar with Captain Underpants. Okay. Um, dog. So Emerson's huge into Dogman and. Uh, you know, the premise is that these two, I think they're 10-year-olds, create these comics, but it's smarter than uh, South Park because it actually makes fun of itself. It's drawn with typos and in crayon and, and all of that stuff. South Park doesn't have that uh, intellectual nuance. It's just literally feels like it's written by a couple of giggling eight-year-olds, uh, drawn by a couple of giggling eight-year-olds, shown to a classroom of giggling eight-year-olds. I, I cannot put my mind in a position where I can see a broader cultural message in it. I apparently am the only one in the universe who has this opinion, as you brought up, but I actually uh, hate this movie. And if we yeah. were assuming I watched it on my own, it took four attempts for me to finish it wow. uh, in, in the hypo- hypothetical in the hypothetical world. that yeah. that would happen. Don't bring up the hypothetical. Stop breaking the illusion. I honestly think you're skewing this a bit too young. I, I don't see this as 
eight-year-olds. I could see that criticism being like teenagers. Absolutely. This is definitely geared towards a teenage audience, but I don't think this is geared towards an eight-year-old audience in any way. I, I do think that you are giving it short shrift in at least its attempt at at satire i'll call it satire but the it, it, the major point that it's trying to make here now it didn't work for you that's fair uh, but i think that it is there and that is the point that this movie is trying to to bring i absolutely agree this is early on in their run um i never considered i don't know why i never considered if you absolutely have zero context of south park as a tv show this is probably a little bit hard to figure out how some of the relationships are supposed to work so that's fair i think that there is this flirtation and because i have the context there's this flirtation that they're getting to where they would get to in about like three seasons from from when this movie came out where they're really delving into we are commenting on america society specifically and this is what we're going to make fun of them for this is what i was kind of bringing up at the very beginning and i've seen actually some articles be written here very recently about the damage that south park did to uh, an entire generation of youth i think that may be giving them a little bit too much credit to be honest but the the idea here is that South Park has always been positioned as that, isn't it ridiculous? Is, isn't society in general a ridiculous thing? Look at how everyone is doing these ridiculous things. Yet we still just go along with it. And that's where they will lob jokes at people that are like, like super religious and like, um, uh, you know, on the, on the right side of, of the political spectrum. But also then the next episode will be like, Aren't environmentalists kind of the same thing? And so they do this conflation bit, which some people get a little bit angry at. And I understand that about those two like polarized worldviews being like they're equally as ridiculous. And so we should be making fun of them. Not that some of these things aren't important, but like, come on, you can't take yourself too seriously. The context I don't think is necessarily obvious in this movie, but does become more obvious if you watch the show is that they have the Cartman character, right? The Cartman character is usually the one that everyone talks about and usually has like the worst things being said is from that character, but he's never shown to be right. His point of view is never, ever once shown to be. Cartman is the right perspective to have here. Kyle and Stan are the are the surrogates of Matt and Trey and have always been in the show. And the show, at least in the early years, they would always at the end have like a moral that those two characters would come together and like speak to each other and be like, hey, so this is, I can think what we're supposed to learn from this week's events sort of thing. But even in this movie, I think they get to that as like, they're the ones who are like, um, I think we're going a little bit too far here, everyone. And cons- consistently reins people back in. Uh, but for me, I think it works. I think there's some really funny jokes in this uh, thing. I can go through them here in a bit. But I think the central idea of like, you cannot say that a single movie is destroying children while at the same time having these like really draconian ways of uh, enacting vengeance. You can't say, like, this movie is destroying America while also wanting to have the death penalty for the people who made that that content at the same place. And then I think the lovely look inversion where Satan really isn't the evil one in this movie. Satan definitely is a foil, but it's Saddam Hussein. It's a real person who is actually the evil one that we should be concerned about, not this fictional Satan who is real in this context, but is not necessarily real in, like, a broader society context. So I think there's a lot of things that are going on in this movie that I give it credit for. Uh, a couple of things. I mean, one, I, I wish I'd remembered uh, which scientist, uh, but I, I watched a TED video about how conspiracy theorists, uh, particularly the ones that uh, look at books and, cr- and find codes, you know, right. uh, 
etc. There's actually a some kind of statistical mathematical principle behind it, named after somebody, some mm-hmm. some paradox, or I can't remember. Are you going to tell me that I'm a conspiracy theorist? No, what I'm going to tell you is the prem- base premise of that thing is that the human brain is wired to try to build connections, even though there aren't any. So when we look at the stars, there's an infinite number of stars, but we tell each other we see a bear or a dipper. Right. That's total bullshit, but but it exists. I never could, by the way. I could never find those shapes in the sky. (laughs) And uh, I think, in a way, this is happening with this movie. There's a lot of loaded rhetoric here, Kyle, of you giving them a lot of credit for the intent of this movie. I mean, Saddam Hussein, I'm presuming, is already dead. I I don't know. I can't remember if he died before 99. No, like way, like 10 years after this movie. So, he's this cartoon character, literally. Um... It, you know, in hell, which already doesn't make a lot of sense because it's implied that he's dead. And uh, to say that he, he, a real person, is an embodiment of evil, I mean, that's, I, I don't know. I, I just, all I hear is uh, justification that this movie is supposed to have a broader context in society. It's bullshit. It's garbage. It's just a bunch of idiots giggling because they, they think they're funny. And the other thing that struck me a little bit, and, I, and this might, this is also a stretch on my part, but there's so much privilege in their comedy. I mean, it's like, you know, like you said, they they sit in this power seat, you know, not to bring up race too much, but these two white dudes, and they're allowed to poke fun at everybody because they think they know better. It's not funny to me. I I don't think it was funny even before, you know, we're in this woke area of, of uh, cultural sort of uh, awareness right now. It's just, it just seems uh, snotty. And they come off in this way where they're like, well, who are we going to fucking insult today? Oh, yeah, let's, let's insult uh, Jewish people. That'd be really fucking hilarious. Oh, you know, who are we going to insult today? Oh, let's insult Buddhists. That's really funny. Like, they're just, they're a bunch of giggling morons. And I, at least this is what's presented to me in this film. And I think... Mm-hmm. I get this impression watching this thing that uh, there isn't actually any broader purpose, that it's all implied. And when people watch, it's like watching a drama and these critics give it a 98, but it's the most depressing fucking piece of shit, male angsty, you know, just garbage. Uh, but it expresses something that they're too scared to express for themselves. And I, I feel like that's what St- South Park is a conduit for. It's a place where people kind of just, I don't know, have to... Just be, I, I, I don't know how to put it in words. Uh, the other thing I was going to bring up, there's a book, I think it's called uh, Lying. Anyways, the premise of that book is one of these self-help gurus is saying that um, in his estimation, he'd always tell the truth, that there's no factual, rational justification for lying at all. I mean, what's so already such a, such an asshole, white privilege, male, heterosexual viewpoint but the worst part with this book, even though I kind of agree with the central premise, is that the whole book is written in a way where he says, well, let's take the scenario that uh, you go to the coffee shop and uh, the barista asks you uh, how the coffee was and you say it's great, even though it wasn't. Then he goes on to explain in his mind the exact scenario of what would happen with these two individual human beings and therefore, so when right, you tell right. them the truth, they will go out and have, make a better coffee. It's like, fuck, no, they won't. Right? Half the time, these are broken people who are just like, go, you can go fuck yourself. You know, it's, you know, it's not that the central premise of South Park is anything that I have a right to have an opinion about. It's just the manner in which this movie is trying to tell me what to think is upsetting. It's, uh, I, I, I couldn't, I can't see what you're talking about. I can't see any I guess intent. The, I mean, part of this is that I, you know, as I continually mentioned, is I went to university for an English major. 
which means that I am geared towards looking at a text as if there is greater meaning to it. Sure. And uh, whether that's because the authors intended for that to be in there or there's unintended consequences of that meaning, I can only come at a, at a movie or a book with my own experiences and my own feelings uh, towards it. There's the only thing I, I can really bring. And for me, that there there is meaning towards the, the comedy that they're trying to do. I'm not here to defend every single joke because there's even some jokes that fall flat for me, to be honest. But as, as, a, as a whole, I think that there is some uh, really sharp comedy writing here. And uh, I mean, it's not in the movie, but I'm going to talk. I, I have to say it anyways, or else it's going to drive me nuts. There is a later episode of South Park, which I've always found fascinating. Fascinating is maybe a wrong word, but I always thought it was like an interesting uh, perspective, which is that there is a character in South Park, the the African-American kid whose name is Token. So right then and there we have uh, a bit of a, uh, a an attempt at a joke. They're, they're talking about violence and like racism in that episode. And at the end, that, that is the thing that Kyle and, and Stan come up with, which is like, you know what? The the point is that we'll never understand. That is the point, is that there's no way we'll ever understand what it's like to be not white privileged kids. Uh, but it's our job then to understand when they come to us and tell us these things to like to help them out because we just don't understand what it's like to be that person who's not privileged. It's not in this movie, so I don't want to take too long talking about that but, because but it's not relevant. That, but is but that's the point. Is isn't that the problem? Is that I mean, I, you know, it'd be interesting to look at, and, and I'm probably wrong about this, but, you know, with the Rotten Tomatoes and all this stuff, what year those reviews come Right. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Because it sounds to me, when you're speaking, Kyle, that you want to recontextualize the intent of this movie with the insights they have as later adults. Yeah, that's true. That's, like, that could be partly true. It's crazy. It's, come on. Like, if they made this movie... And they definitely must have got backlash. And then three years later, they made a cartoon where they're like, okay, you know, maybe we're privileged and we need to kind of change our rhetoric. You can't say that it was, <laughs> you can't say they had that insight four years ago. That's not I don't know. I mean, they, you have, they've had a similar style all throughout it, whether it's this, Team America, or even um, uh, the Book of Mormon. I mean, theater in itself is a pretty well the the voters of the tony awards are pretty conservative leaning but it was able this was able to break through and it's the same type of comedy they're doing the same thing in all three of those different uh, venues so i i don't know if it's something that would have that has changed that drastically i still think funny is funny um and we've we've saw we've seen some of the comedies that have absolutely not held up that i felt like oh i thought this was funny and this is, does not hold up anymore and definitely stuff outside of this show like try and watch ace ventura now it's like oof like this is not good so i take your point of like comedy sometimes doesn't evolve with the times i just don't think this is one of them i think that they are aware enough that yes they're pushing buttons but they're not just being like oh we're going to make fun of jewish people it's like this awful kid is making fun of Jewish people, but he's not shown to be that being the correct position at the, at the end of the day. It's like literally the whole idea is like we should love one another, which is like a very pat like Disney uh, theme, but is wrapped up in this R rated comedy. Well, it's, it's funny how that's not taken to be satirical either, but you know, uh, it, just bring up the book. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I wonder mm -hmm. too, after watching uh, this movie, if half the reason why I can't keep up with it is the frenetic pacing of it. And I think- Possibly, yeah. You know, if you have the same writing style and this is broken into, like, like we were talking, like I brought before, six 20-minute episodes, or if you're doing musical theater and you have 
humans that have to uh, be scripted with pacing to make this physically make sense. It's going to be slower and much more deliberate, in mm. my opinion. Mm. Again, I haven't seen it because you can't make a non-animated version of this film. It, it's designed yeah. around these incredibly quick. Um, I think that is a good point. I think yeah, it very much leans into its animation for sure. Right, and and so I, I think it's distracting for me as somebody who's not uh, coded into the manner in which they communicate to their audience. How's that sounding? You know, mm -hmm. I didn't even use fuck once, but um, <laughs> I I couldn't keep up with it. And I don't. I, maybe it's because I'm old, but I think that was my problem. Even when I had access to it, uh, I don't. This is pre-internet, like pre-public public internet, but. Whenever I had caught episodes, even as a TV show, I just, I can't, it made me feel distracted even in a 20 minute episode. I just, I can't handle the pace. It definitely is all of these things. Whenever you judge something, it's always a reflection of yourself. So uh, I'm willing to go out and reflect myself that I'm judging the shit out of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Uh, here's the other thing that I, I give credit to this movie for. I actually think this is a great musical. I think the songs are really well produced. They fit in. And I think it's so eye-opening that this is the third animated film we've reviewed. And there was Toy Story 2 that came out this year. So who knows if we'll be able to review that movie. But it's Probably the not. only one. It's the only one that's a traditional musical. Yes. None of the other ones. Even the Disney one was not a musical. It, was, it had music in it, but it was not like characters breaking out in the song and dance. Uh, this one absolutely is that. It's like taking that style of Disney animated film that we're so uh, accustomed to and then bringing it in here. And if you want to get super musical theater snobby, there is direct like allusions and parodies of Oklahoma, Les right. Mis, Disney musicals. Like there's all this other stuff that they're layering into it that I just find very great. And I love it. You can tell Trey Parker is a massive Broadway fan because he was um, and he's bringing that influence into this. I caught that too. And I, I actually, uh, you know, I love musical theater too. I do. And I, I think one of the saving graces for this thing was that they put that into it. However, again, for me, like we, I just brought up the pacing of even the songs and how they jump mm. cut into them. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess you'll call a you will Kyle yeah. Marshall, uh, <laughs> who invented the machine, will call it satirical and, and uh, intentionally a parody almost and a homage to yeah, musical theater. Kind of both. Well, but if you want to get like a super up. fancy word, honestly, what they would probably call this a musical theater is a pastiche. Which is mm. like they're emulating songs without actually directly parodying those songs. You were pretty pre 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 pretentious. Yeah, I mean, I caught the 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 lame is and the Oklahoma and all this stuff. I mean, lame is yeah. There's a couple where I used to know uh, verbatim every, yeah. every song. I still could. I could sing probably most of the songs from the show right now if you really wanted me to. But uh, we do. But uh, so, but it's not for me. It wasn't enough. Yeah. The wild thing about this is that, as you know. Uh, I'm a big fan of this composer, Stephen Sondheim. Uh, really? Uh, Sorry, could you do, repeat? Do, do a whole podcast about him. Huh, uh, but strange. he actually came out and said how much he loved the musical uh, aspects of this aspects. show. He's like, it was well-written. It was like a greatly well-structured musical theater piece. Yes. I just find that fascinating that he would have been 70-something when this movie came out. So that's, that's just it's, wild to me. But it also sounds like he was very specific about his well, compliment. Maybe <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the movie, the musical aspects of this movie are great. Yeah. Um, oh, well, a few different things that I just want to bring up here then, because I was making some notes. Uh, all of that stuff we've actually hit on here. This is just a throwaway thing. I love how in this movie, they think that Conan O'Brien is filmed live because uh, they're watching it like live on television. No, no, 
late night show is done that way. I again talking about that satire, uh, and not that they would have necessarily known about that, but I mean they are bringing up the fact that they are uh, housing their own citizens. They're bringing up death camps. They're like fighting against one another. I think that's very appropriate for how what we find ourselves in currently. And again, that's one of my favorite jokes is Operation Human Shield of trying to put all all the black people in the front lines and then they stand down, which they should. My absolute favorite joke is the stupidest joke probably in the entire piece which is them using like the call of like to alert each other when they're trying to infiltrate is the dying giraffe just make the sound that a dying giraffe makes i laugh every time it's so dumb but i think that's great it's, i feel yeah isn't that a bit from uh well it wouldn't be monty python but i feel like it, it probably i mean me they are very bit. influenced by monty python too i just feel like and that's the other thing maybe for me it's not like i mean i used to love monty python but it's not like in this i couldn't quote you anything anymore right it's like right. musical theater I, for those that don't know i have a history of not just addiction but brain injuries <laughs> and now epilepsy <laughs> so my uh my ability to recall things that i found interesting in my early 20s has mm -hmm. faded quite a bit as i'm i'm turning uh, 42 kyle whoa uh, so well, I, I don't think you can podcast anymore after 40 so i i still hate this movie yeah i don't care what you have to say Kyle. <laughs> yeah i guess we're, we're, we're done here so the machine has told us that we need to stop i already know this is going to be the biggest division that we have probably <laughs> ever had in our lives but uh dave what would you rate south park bigger longer and uncut a uh, one yeah a one Wait, is that the lowest we can I go 0.5? Technically 0.5 is the yeah, lowest. 0.5. Yeah. Okay. Fuck you, South, <laughs> South Park. Yeah. 0.5. So this is absolutely going to be the biggest because I rated a five. It's a five out of five for Ooh. me, Dave. Wow. However, oh, wait, I don't wait, make... a five? A five? I'm giving it five, yeah. Five. Hundred percent. I didn't five think... out of five. I will say this. Let, let me do this. Let me do this. I haven't done this before, but I actually write these little reviews after I watch movies on my own personal letterbox. I will read out to you ex exactly what I wrote. I didn't think I was going to rate this five stars. I knew I liked it a lot, but during this rewatch, I knew I couldn't deny that I love it. It's simultaneously a satire, brutally profane, and one of the best movie musicals of all time. Wow. That's what I wrote. So best flowery movie language. musical of all time. One, one of the best movie musicals. You wrote that with time. your name on it. <laughs> with my name on wow. it. Wow. That is correct. So uh, this means that we actually have a longer conversation to have here. So it's actually tying with a few of the films that uh, we've already reviewed here. When you take a look at these following films, Tarzan, Notting Hill. She's all that ravenous. Where would you put them in that thing? Oh, so what we currently have is from top to bottom, Tarzan, Notting Hill, she's all that ravenous. Would you put that right at the bottom or somewhere within those? Such, those an, such an eclectic mix, eh? How do it you, is. how do you, well, I mean, you know, one of the things that's unfair is because we're so split, we're going to be split on this thing. So should we just stick well, it in, as they say, right in the should we just then. stick it yeah. in the middle? Yeah, let's put it right in the middle here then. So that what, is going to be... That's what someone said. So that means entering our list at number 15 is South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. I think you're totally wrong on it, Dave. But, I was uh, just going to ask, like, how, how angry and bitter are you right now? <laughs> this is my top 10 of the season. I hate you so much. Okay. This podcast is over. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read to you some trivia here. 
which is <clears throat> in the Guinness World Records 2001, this film was said to have the most profanity used in an animated film. The book cited a total of 399 swear words, including 146 uses of the word fuck, along with 199 offensive gestures and 221 acts of violence. I remember reading somewhere long ago that there is actually a reason why it's 399 swear words, because I think 400 tipped it over into getting an NC-17 rating. Oh, so they might have edited one out or something? They had to edit one. It's one of those stupid rules that the MPAA have. The reason Trey Parker and Matt Stone made the movie so inappropriate because was because they thought that their show was going to get canceled. On TV, they could not do as much, so they wanted to let their audience know how bad they could make it, thinking it would be a good sign-off to the show. Yeah, and that, that is something... That- isn't that, that something to, to my said, point? Come on. Well, maybe. But there, there's something <laughs> that, that I don't think I even touched on was that this is very aggressively more R-rated than what the show is. Yes. Like, the show doesn't get this gratuitous in many ways. They, they swear and stuff, but uh, they don't get as involved. Uh, no, or, the, the, opening, the opening sequence lets you know immediately yeah. what you're in for. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, when they walk out of the theater, it's, it's actually kind of funny when they're just, just talking. And then it gets tired because they keep saying the same shit over and over right, and right. over again. To actually right, probably Dave. just to get the number up, if anything. <laughs> probably. Dave, here are some uh, the machine wants you to read. Language is it. The song, What Would Brian Boitano Do? is a reference to the original Christmas card, The Spirit of Christmas, which was the inspiration for the South Park series. In the short, Stan asks Cartman, what would, Bri- what would Brian Boitano do when Jesus is fighting Santa? Uh, this so is also this one of my thing. favorite songs. This is the, uh, this is pandering. This, this is the whole inside joke to people who give a shit about where they come from. Your whole life is pandering. When, uh, when Kenny uncovers his face at the end and says, goodbye, you guys, in exactly that intonation, the voice of Kenny is portrayed by Mike Judge, the creator of Beavis and Butthead, who's an infinitely and the director more, of Office Space, right? Um, infinitely more intelligent uh, comedian than uh, these two <laughs> hacks. Yeah. All right, Hello. well, let's wrap this up. I don't think that the animation community agrees with you. I don't think that most critics agree with you. But here we are. If we were actually allowed to be in a studio, I think you'd have attempted to punch me in the face by now. But uh, it's great. Zoom meetings hey. are the best. What would Brian Boitano do? I would slit your throat open with my skate. That with is what I would do. With a triple axle. Yeah. I used right. to love a, little, a double sow cow. <laughs> um, okay. So let's see what we're going to be reviewing next week. Oh, see? I already mentioned it this episode. It looks like we're doing four weeks straight of animation. We're going to be talking about Toy Story 2. It can't be any worse than South Park. You wouldn't think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'll drink some of this lemonade just just look it off the machine yeah just look it off the machine oh i got a shock